All right, so welcome back to the Life and Rhythm podcast. I'm with my friends Marnie and Mike Goheen in Tempe at their beautiful house. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Mike and Marnie are about uh, 30 years old. I think they've been married for five years. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> a little <laughs> How long have you been married? 43. 43 years. 43 years. We'll let you stand in the mystery of how old they are because they've been married 43 years. And uh, Mike is my professor at the Missional Training Center, and I'm in my third out of fourth year there. And Marnie is the, what would you call yourself around the MTC world? She's a hostess, but also she is the kitchen theologian. <laughs> she is <laughs> the kitchen theologian. Often when Marnie speaks up, uh, there is laughter and there are tears of joy. And uh, people listen. And people listen. Yeah, when she speaks, people shut up, which is awesome. And so tell us just a little bit about who you are. How did we get to this living room today? Marnie, I'll let you start. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, I started off life in the southern part of the country of Chile. My parents were missionaries, and we lived on a very tiny island that had uh, a lot of had didn't have a lot of the things that we presume to be every day in life. Yeah. Um, I had an, a mom who was not well and ended up having to uh, leave Chile. Uh, as a family, we ended up in New Jersey, so I have my schooling in New Jersey and my, wow. yeah, New York for college. Um, but I'm Canadian, so yeah. uh, that has always defined me. Yeah. Um, I met Mike in Florida after I graduated uh, with a degree in English and a minor in music, and we have four kids, uh, 42 to 36. Seven. Wow. 35. 37. Usually <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that gets that right. How many grandkids do we have? 11. 11. And what would you say is like an enduring passion of yours over these last hmm. decades of life? Yeah. I think uh, seeing my kids uh, follow Christ and mm -hmm. then my grandkids following Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Thank you, Marnie. Mm -hmm. All right, Mike, how did you loop her into your life and who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I met Marnie as a new Christian in Florida and uh, she'd been a Christian quite a bit longer. Uh, we went off to, I went off to seminary and following seminary, I became a church planter and uh, mm -hmm. did that after planting the church for seven years. And just to sort of connect with what we're talking about today, I plan liturgy uh, in a context where people were neo-pagan. Yeah. It's more and more the situation today, but people who knew very little about God and about the Christian faith. And um, in our church, we had a lot of new Christians and Christians from different backgrounds. And it became very important, the mm -hmm. worship service for forming them. And I used to spend more time on liturgy than I did on sermons. So yeah. I, I planted that church, then pastored it, then realized that the only reason people were coming was they liked my preaching and teaching, but I wasn't a very good pastor. <laughs> so I thought I could probably do preaching and teaching from a different standpoint. And I moved into the academic world, started my PhD, wow. ended up getting that. 
and end up teaching in the university for the next three decades, yeah. uh, teaching biblical theology, worldview studies, mission, a lot of different things. And then ended up coming down here at MTC. Yeah. And MTC is a place where we're training leaders. Um, Matt is one of the people that comes to you, uh, come to this. <laughs> and so we got about 75 leaders that we're training. But throughout my whole university career, up until 2016, I've always been a minister of preaching. Yeah. And have often done, uh, done liturgies, formed the worship yeah. uh, for the service, not just preaching, but done the worship because I've always wanted to be deeply rooted in the congregation and I've always believed that uh, worship was a key part yeah. of forming God's people so it's been something that I've been that, uh, that I've loved doing yeah. so I love preaching and I love teaching I've written books but I hate doing that I do it just because I feel <laughs> that's what I'm I've been called to do but I what I do love doing is preaching and teaching so that kind yeah. of defines me yeah, it's pretty obvious to everybody who sits in your living room that you are passionate about it. And I don't know of anybody who does it better in terms of you can just sit down in front of your computer and go for three hours. <laughs> that was amazing. And you never have enough time. Every single class we sit in, it's if it was 12 hours, you probably wouldn't have enough time if we had 12 hours. <laughs> so there are two reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with both of you. The first one is... Um, you're very familiar with our journey with our church. You know, the last couple of years since COVID, we have we transitioned into just being in a house church model. And over the last year, we've been curious about restarting Sunday gatherings. And it was actually a conversation on your back patio where I was wrestling with you for almost an hour where I said, what do you think about this? And one of the most, um, I don't know, impactful things that both of you shared around that table was around the underground church in China. And you just asked me to consider, do you think that they would remain underground if they had the choice? Or do you think they would come out of hiding and, and gather in worship? Mm -hmm. And that was one, I don't know, that was one of the things that stuck with me that I chewed on mm -hmm. for months and was a part of the prayerful decision to restart Sunday gatherings at Arizona State University. So well, we're excited for you all to start. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. God bless you in that. Yeah, thank you. And I've also never met a pastor, church planner, professor who has said what you just said earlier, which is I spent more time um, crafting a liturgy, mm -hmm. the whole service, uh, rather than just your preaching. So you consider that mm -hmm. to be really important. And so yeah. Uh, maybe just talk a little bit about your history in church, the things that you've enjoyed most about the gathered people in worship over the years with your kids and with communities that you've been in, just some really sweet times, why it's meant so much to you. Well, I grew up in a small Baptistic kind of church, a fundamentalist kind of church in New Jersey, um, where the word of God was very important, preached, the prayer was really important, music was really important. And the entire church family was really important. Mm. The entire church family joined in with prayer times during the week, but also in the church services, yeah. um, music. Uh, as kids, we participated in all of that. Um, we weren't excluded from any of it. Uh, we worshiped with the adults. We all had Sunday school, you know, so a time of teaching. The adults had their time of teaching, and from the nursery on up uh, everybody was participating in that too that's beautiful yeah we memorized scripture together 
we were really a family and I had no family anywhere close to where I was living. <laughs> and the, I realized only many decades later how, imp, how much the church really is my family. Wow. Um, and uh, that the importance of the whole family participating as a whole family, little ones and big ones, kind of like Jesus' sheep. He doesn't just take the mamas and the papa sheep and say, let me feed you here. No, he takes the entire sheepfold, the baby lambs, the ones that are nursing from their mom. He takes them all and teaches them and feeds them on the good green pastures. So I think I learned that early, and that is super sweet and super impactful for me. Wow. Yeah. I'll stop there because I could go on and on. <laughs> That's super helpful. For, for right now, I'll just stop there. Yeah. And so for Mike, for you, um, what was some of your most favorite memories in as part of church families over the years? Um, I've been in many size, different sized churches, um, pastoring, preaching, um, leading. And I found the smaller worship services probably the most impactful for me as a church planter in very the hard soil of Canada unlike the United States where you put out where you church plant and you can usually build a crowd it's not so easy in Canada where people only come if they're convinced of the truth of the gospel and not many are but are the slow growth of our church planting um, we never you know took us seven years to reach 150 people and the the worship services that we had were quite they were quite deep in many ways and um, I remember those times very fondly mm-hmm. because uh, the, the worship services were times they would last a long time mm-hmm. and they were times that were mixture of contemporary and traditional so I think maybe those worship services as a church planter was one of my favorite um, another memory is when we came to a church that was dying in Hamilton mm. and it was down less than 100 people and uh, we saw the Lord work with, uh, I was as a, working as a professor but working with a, another fellow and I, we saw the, the church explode which is not usual in Canada Yeah. and one of the things we had to deal with was a woman who was dealing with traditional worship and she that worship was outdated it was rich theologically, but it was not touching the hearts of people. Yeah. We had to wrestle with how do we keep that rich uh, content in worship, but at the same time allow it to touch the hearts of people. Yeah. And that wrestling with liturgy during that seven or eight year period was very significant also in my life. Yeah. And I would also mention a third thing that probably was the most important. Not as you talked about church, but we decided that family worship would be crucial to our family. And so we used to spend five nights a week where we would spend at least an hour a night as a family worshiping. And probably we know, I don't know, Marty, thousands of songs. Oh, easily thousands. Yeah, uh, we've been through many hymn books. We've been through many contemporary chorus books, many, many books. And we love to sing. My kids are all now, two of them are professional musicians. All of them are musicians. <laughs> and we just would sing, spend a lot of time, often a half hour a night singing. And I think our times of prayer and wrestling yeah. the scripture together, those were deeply formational for me and for my children. Yeah. And I think our four children would, t- <laughs> would say 
that these that those worship times formed them more deeply than anything. Yeah, and that and we were able to connect them to the Lord's Day as well. So that's so cool. I think that I, I remember my daughter one time just saying that Sunday was her favorite day. Yeah, and I think that's great if it's understood rightly. And uh, uh, the person I did my PhD dissertation on, Leslie Newbigin, once said that. Uh, that the uh, Lord's Day, that is Sunday, is holy. Mm. Not because the rest of them aren't, but so that the rest of them will be. Come on. The Lord's Day is holy, so the rest of those days will be holy as well. Yeah. And I think it's important to have that day set aside where worship dominates that day and, and basically re-centers you. Yeah. It reorients you to what life is all about. So I'd say that our family worship was very important for formation, but that most of us saw Sunday as the highlight that kind of was redirecting us, yeah. reorienting us to what the what life was all about. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I wonder if both of you could talk just a little bit about elements, formational elements within a worship service that you think are critical pieces so that people don't just walk away from a Sunday and say, oh, that was nice. Okay. You know, I, and like, I'm like chomping at the bit. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> to me, the music is such an important, important part mm-hmm. because, um, like, studies have shown that new studies in the last, uh, you know, 20, 30 years in neurology have, have opened up, uh, you know, the two sides of the brain and how they interact with one another. And music is the language. It's the, the liaison between the left and right brain. Yeah. And when you have Alzheimer's patient who cannot speak words, make a sentence, create a thought that's mm. in their head, um, they can sing yeah. songs that they learned as children or you know whenever in their past. They can sing those songs. They can actually remember scripture that they have memorized too and say whole sentences where they would try to say a whole sentence on their own and they can't. But these, these um, beautiful, the beautiful way that God has mm-hmm. created the mind and given us that gift that bridges this um, re- left and right brain situation and allows us to remember even on our deathbed, even as an Alzheimer patient, yeah. uh, person, elder, um, that can still minister and nourish us and those around us. Yeah. And it is really incumbent, especially upon uh, people that, that minister to children, that you do not give them potato chips. <laughs> you give them good music. You give them lyrics that will feed them on their deathbed. I am serious about that. <laughs> it's not a morbid thing. It is a, a yeah. like an imperative. There's an urgency that I see that we sometimes just feed them things that, you know, well, if we can make make a dance to it, or if we can hmm. do choreography, or if we can, um, if we can, you know, do some movement to it, that's what's important because that will draw the crowd. Hmm. But God isn't about drawing a crowd. He's drawing our hearts. Yeah. And he wants us to be the people that he made us to be from the very beginning. Even if we're two years old, he wants us to be a two-year-old person yeah. that is following him. And you can nourish that two-year-old person with music that even has words that might be too big for them. Yeah. But they will 
love saying them (laughs) and they will get to know what that word means and you can also impact that word with meaning for them and let them know what it means but um i yeah it's so important that what we sing the words that we sing and if the words that we sing are scripture that will be what's nourishing them through their life and you will have given them a gift that is really amazing and long lasting that's beautiful when my mom died my sister and i i've just one sister we sang and the last 13 hours of her life were almost unstoppable stopping never-ending singing reciting scripture um, and praying with her and those 13 years 13 hours um, i'd love to go into that more because it, it was pretty amazing time not easy mm. it had it really difficult moments but um when we came out of that after god had taken my mom's last breath um my sister and i my sister turned to me and she said marn i feel like mom has been preparing us for this moment <laughs> from the day that we were born because we did not fail to have one song after another one scripture after another mm. that we we could pray with her sing with her mm. in that time in an un, uninterrupted flow of just one after the other and it was it was our nourishment it was our joy and glory to be doing that um, it was our solid foot when we felt faith uh, uh, wavering it was an amazing amazing thing that mom had done for us mm. we need to do this if we're sunday school kids if we're our parents we need to give this to our ki- kids you know what we'll be nourishing ourselves as well it's that's not right. when you nourish the children you nourish everybody <laughs> that's good yeah that's so good thank you Sorry, wow i am passionate about it. <laughs> as you should be yeah so good thank you mm. i yeah my kids and i one of my favorite activities is getting out my guitar and singing with them mm. at bedtime. We yeah. act out Bible stories a lot, yeah, we and we do, too. yeah, which is really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, they love to sing, and they remember what they sing. And uh, I think it was Eugene Peterson who said, you know, the Psalms are just 150 things we can say to God, and they were meant to be songs. They yes. were meant to be sung so that they would stick with us on the journey of discipleship. Absolutely. So thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mike, how about you? What are some just key elements that make a worship service stick with somebody like that the rhythms of uh liturgy or you know the work the participation of the people in the service that then launches them into feeling like i'm being sent this week to be the light of the world what are some of the things you experimented with and found effective that were more formational well i could go on here for a while um (laughs) i i used to i used to work with what is a traditional reformed liturgy. Mm -hmm. It had five parts. Mm -hmm. The first part was coming into God's presence. Mm -hmm. God invites us into his presence. And as he invites us in, we're reminded that we have left behind for a moment the week where we've been called to be the new humanity for the sake of the world. We're now being invited into his presence to be nourished again in the new life of Christ so that we can continue to be that people. We remind ourselves that we're coming into his presence as he invites us into that presence. And then that's the place, I think, for 
where the explosive music about God, yeah. where God, it becomes God-centered. Yeah. And I think that too much music is highly narcissistic. <laughs> too much of our worship music is about us and our, our fears and our concerns and about our experience of God. And there's a place for that. The Psalms speak of that. But this is the place where we need to hear, where we need to concentrate and focus on the glory of God. Richard Bauckham points out in the book of Revelation, the whole book is about preserving the church to be faithful in the midst of the powerful Roman idolatry. Well, I'd say today the consumer idolatry and the idolatry of 21st century the United States is more powerful than the Roman idolatry. Yeah. And one of the things he says is, notice A, in the book of Revelation, how much worship there is. Yeah. Because that is one of the primary ways to fortify God's people against idols. But then secondly, he says, look at the big God of Revelation. He says, if we are to be a people that are not going to serve the powerful gods of the United States, we need a God that is bigger and more powerful and more attractive mm -hmm. than the gods that we that we are going to be called to serve the rest of the week. I think that coming into God's time, we're uh, God, coming into God's presence is that time where our focus is on God and all that it means to to worship the living creator God who is willing to come into our midst. And it's got to be a sense of this, not just we're coming there for something that's going to, we're going to enjoy, but we're coming because God says, I will be present as you gather. Wow. I think the second part of worship is confession of sin. And I think that used, that's my, that's the key part that I miss deeply when it's not there. Maybe it's because I'm so sinful. <laughs> but I, I see that part as God calling us to confession. Mm -hmm. The importance of quiet time that's not hurried, that we're able to just sit there and confess sin, even then reading confession together. But I think that often it ends there, or if at best it ends with, you're forgiven, and that's good. But it should go beyond that to obedience. Yeah. When you are forgiven, you're now nourished by the Spirit to obey. Only a few liturgies go there, but few of them then they take even the next step, which is you're called to obedience for the sake of the world. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And so the, the you are there really is forgiveness. There really is renewal by the power of the Spirit. And I think what we're doing as we rehearse that every Sunday is learning how to appropriate the gospel ourselves in our families and personally. That's key. Yeah. And I think it has to be oriented outward. The next part is, is the third part is the, the Word of God and recognizing that the Word of God is not just learning some new information in theology. It's actually, as the Reformers used to say, my favorite image of Calvin and Luther was that God comes to us clothed or Christ comes to us clothed in the words of Scripture. Mm. That the reading of Scripture, and there needs to be a lot more reading of Scripture, but the reading of Scripture and the preaching of Scripture is where God comes to us clothed in Scripture, and there needs to be a response to that. Yeah. Prayers and litanies and various ways of responding and maybe even quietly sitting. The church I was at at Sunday basically gave a time of three, four, five minutes, and that was, that's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> to just sit and think. Wow. And then the, the fourth part is responding to God's word. There, I think there's a number of things we can do. There's all kinds of litanies that can show us how to respond to God's word. That's where we have the Lord's Supper. That's mm -hmm. where we pray. Um, there's different things we do as we respond to God's word. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth yeah. one 
is what I, is what I call ascending liturgy. Mm. And usually that's a benediction. Now, benedictions, I don't see that as much anymore, but the benediction has been part of worship going back to the Aaronic priesthood. Yeah. And has always been part of the church. And the, you know, now by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you, it's not just, the, that's all folks, we're all done. <laughs> yeah. It's benediction and blessing in the Bible is God actually giving that blessing to his people. Wow. And so the way we would set that up is we would have a, a charge to the congregation. If whatever the, whatever the theme of worship at the time, we would stop and we'd say, okay, we remind them, you are the people of God who know this. You are the people of God, whatever we've been talking about, they're called to go out and embody this. You are called to be the new humanity for the sake of the world. And a good two or three minute charge that reminds them of who they are, what they've learned, and how now they're an embodied for the mm -hmm. sake of the world. And then say, and then I would say, I would say something like this, and you cannot do it on your own. You must do it in the power of the living God. Yeah. Therefore, hold out your hands and receive this blessing where God will empower you to do it yeah. and then give a blessing. So I would move through those five elements. I see all of them as essential yeah. to the worship service. I could speak about different parts, but I see those five as essential. And uh, I think we need them all. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes adding on at the end, ascending part, like actually... Having a sending song. Ascending song, yeah. We're sending, yeah. sending out into the world yeah. in some way. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Reminding of our purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you both so much. That is super helpful. And I wonder if you both could just say a quick prayer mm. um, for our congregation as we mm. restart that we would live into all those things yeah. and that our kids would live into those things that. So, you know, the campus that we're at, Arizona State University, the Polytechnic campus, the nations are there. You know, mm -hmm. kids come from oh, all beautiful. over the world yeah. um, to learn, you know, artificial intelligence and yeah. aviation. And uh, every kid yeah. I've met there, um, almost every other kid is from a different country. Ah, mm. And so how beautiful it is, you know, that the good news is going to be preached and the good news is going to be embodied there. And so thank mm. you for your encouragement on why it matters. So... Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you. Okay, so Lord, we just pray that you would um, open up the homes of your people to these students from all around the world who've come. Lord, they're lonely, um, many of them, um, and many of them will not have ever been into the home of an American uh, before. And so I pray that the homes that are open to them would be the homes where your name is honored and loved and where they are going to be loved and honored and respected mm -hmm. as well. Lord, I just pray, activate the imagination of the church as they seek to live into this new place uh, where they are going to be worshiping and see that um, as being your hands and feet and voice and uh, bringing of the bread of life into that space and the people who inhabit that space around the times when they are worshiping. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray that their worship would be uh, deeply formative for their children on up through the el most elderly amongst them. Lord, I pray that you would empower um, Matt by your spirit 
as he preaches your word, that you would keep him faithful, um, that you would um, animate the, the, your word by your Holy Spirit, that it would have traction in the lives of the littlest people that hear, all up through the, the eld, most elderly that hears. And Lord, for those that hear with another tongue as their first tongue, may he be clear. And Lord, I pray that, that your spirit would do a mighty work in that place, um, that many would come to know you and be more grounded in their faith as a result of worshiping together. Make them a family who embody the life of Christ in their community. Father, I pray that Rhythm Church would have a worship in which it's not simply an entertaining experience, mm -hmm. right. but where they really meet with the living God. Yeah. Oh God, wow. would you come mm -hmm. in your presence as the creator, the Lord of history, the final judge, the reconciler of all things. Mm -hmm. And may their understanding of you grow and may they begin to see something of you get a glimpse each week of your glory and may it grow especially as that glory is seen in Jesus Christ may they come to see and know him as the living God may the songs exalt him Amen. may the songs nourish them to follow more faithfully Lord I pray that Rhythm Church would not be drawn away from all the distractions that would want to take them away from what matters but may they recognize the, the, the how short and brief life really is. Mm -hmm. And may they be grounded deeply in Jesus Christ as they meet together. Mm -hmm. May they be recentered to see that true life is found in serving you and in following Christ and aligning themselves with your mission. Give them that kind of commitment, that kind of commitment which is single-hearted, that is devoted, and we pray that the worship would nourish that kind of commitment, uh, would prepare them for that kind of following of Christ the other days of the week. So Lord, will you come into their presence? Will you meet them there? Will you give them your resurrection life? Will you enable them to see your glory? And as they come into that place and they come into the real world, mm. the real world where you are creator and, and redeemer mm. and Lord. When they come into that real world, may they go out into a world that has been falsely narrated by commercials mm. and by social media, yeah. and may they make known the mm. real world that you have created, the true world of creation where you have called us to be people that follow, love you, serve you, and obey you. Yeah. Lord God, use that worship that Rhythm Church might be faithful, not just in the worship, but the other six days of the week. Yes. Bless yeah. them with an overpowering work of your Holy Spirit. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.